Hello, my name is Steve Brown, and I'm the worship leader at Vintage Faith Church. At Vintage Faith, we believe the Word of God is what changes and transforms a person. We hope you enjoy the next 30 to 40 minute sermon of the Word of God being proclaimed and explained. Enjoy the message. Is it safe to say everybody's in a good mood today? <laughs> happy He Has Risen Day. Happy uh, I Am the Alpha and Omega Day. Happy Destroy This Temple in Three Days and I Will Raise It Day. So on and so forth. Happy Easter. The scripture here is from the book of John, John chapter 20, 1 to 10. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Happy Easter. Jesus is indeed alive. The seed of the woman is stomped on the head of the seed of the serpent. Praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we ponder your resurrection, the resurrection of your son. Help us to grab hold of the hope that is in these truths, this truth. Help us to grab hold of that hope for our life now. Help us to be stirred by this truth in a way that maybe we haven't been. Lord, this is the greatest news of any news ever proclaimed. Although we live in the reality of Sunday morning in the resurrection, the shadow of Friday still blots out some of the light in this truth. We can be stirred by this hope, but we often forget it. And there's still hardship hardship, loss, and pain in this world. But Lord, the hope of what happened on Sunday morning, 2,000 years ago, has rang out to the ends of the earth, and we're here today because of it. Lord, if Jesus had not been raised, this religion called Christianity would be forgotten. We wouldn't be here. 
Help us to grab hold of these truths. Work among us. Thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we, as a church, as Christians, we really believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, physically. And everything in our faith hinges on this truth. All of our hope is in this truth. Paul says that if the resurrection isn't true, then everything we're doing as Christians is pitiful and useless. It's all because of the resurrection. All of our hope is in Jesus conquering the grave. And we're excited about this, and we proclaim this, and we're going to proclaim this today, but we can't stop there. The implications of Easter morning go far beyond the Messiah being raised from the dead. They're actually pointing to his people, all of us, what that means for us. Because he lives, we too will live. Because he was raised, we too will be raised. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says it like this, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ, the first fruits. Then it is coming those who belong to Christ. And I'd submit to you today that your body groans for this. Beyond words. Some of us more than others, some of us that, that are older, we know our bodies long to be clothed with the heavenly body. And I would submit to you that your soul groans for this. Your strongest desires deep within just want a new body. They want eternal life. They want to be with God. They want to be in the new heavens and the new earth. And so often we misdiagnose it and we think it's this or that. I need this. I need to move. I need a new job. I need a new spouse. I need to change my situation. No, what you're longing for is the resurrection that is coming for you that Jesus is the first fruits of. We know it's coming. Your bodily resurrection is part of your inheritance in the faith. You long for this. Don't stop at Easter. Don't stop just at Jesus' resurrection. What Jesus' resurrection means for us is the hope in this. Easter morning is not an end in itself, but it's the beginning of something amazing. It's a new reality breaking through. All of creation is eagerly waiting for this moment when all of creation will be restored. The empty tomb leaves us confidently waiting, longing, or more. It's not here yet. 
And we can get confused sometimes as Christians. We celebrate and we're here and we're talking about the resurrection and this is great news and we should celebrate and it should stir us, but it's not here yet. In fact, Paul gets so adamant about this in 2 Timothy. They're talking, people are teaching, they're saying the resurrection's already here. It's spiritual. It's not physical, it's spiritual. And Paul says, no, this is garbage. He says, avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They're upsetting the faith of some. The resurrection has not happened. Jesus, the first fruits, has broke through. And we know because he was resurrected that we will be too. So you can imagine the disciples after Friday, what they're thinking. Think about Saturday evening, Saturday, the day for the disciples. They had just given up everything that they had to follow this rabbi who they thought was the Messiah. They gave up everything. They left their jobs, they left their families, and they followed Jesus. And then he's executed. A criminal's death on a cross. And they must have been thinking, what, what did we just do? Grieving for a friend, but also thinking, I just put all my chips in here with this man, and now I'm foolish. He died. He couldn't be the Messiah. We just, the, the scripture that Evan read, they hadn't known yet. They, even when they went to the tomb and, and he was gone, they weren't thinking about the fact that Jesus said he was going to be raised. So can you imagine the confusion that the disciples are feeling on Saturday? The pain, the loss, the foolishness, the hurt. But then Mary goes to the tomb. She's like, the body's not there. Was it stolen? She comes back. She tells Peter and John. They run to the tomb. They're like, you're right. It's, the body's not there. What's going on? Maybe a little glimmer of hope at this point. Maybe. But probably thinking that the body was just stolen. And then we hear that the disciples are hanging out. And they're... They're grieving, and Jesus just shows up, and he talks to them. Can you imagine that scene? Confusion, hope, things going through their mind of, of maybe making connections like, oh yeah, he was in the temple. He said that he was going to rise, destroy this temple, and I'll raise it up. Oh yeah, he said I must die. But Thomas isn't there. Thomas isn't there. And Thomas 
We're going to read in a minute, Thomas has some doubts. And I, I, I would just try to encourage you that when you follow God, when you decide, hey, I'm going to give up something in my life, I'm going to lose my life in, in some way to follow him, you're going to have doubts. You're going to want to see evidence. You're going to want God to show you something. Tell me, Lord, I'm on the right path. And we're going to see this. I think this is what's going on in, in Thomas's head. John 20, 24 to 25, we're going to continue. This is going to be the last sermon series in, in the book of John. We're going to look at how Thomas reacts to this. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So Jesus had come to the disciples. He came to the ten. And he showed himself, but Thomas wasn't there. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. We've seen him. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. I think Thomas many times gets a bad rap. He's called Doubting Thomas, but the reality here is Jesus just showed himself to the other ten. They've seen him. They've seen the nail marks. And Thomas is like, if, if I'm going to believe this, I need to see too. Thomas understands if Jesus was raised for the dead, this is big. This has huge meaning for his life, for everything that Jesus said. I need to see this. I'm not going to just go on what you told me. Many times in the world that we live in, Christians can be accused of just believing to kind of pacify our anxiety over the brokenness of life. You've probably heard, well, that's just a, a crutch. That's, that's the accusation from, from a watching world. In fact, Karl Marx says it famously. Religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature, the heart of a heartless world, the soul of soulless conditions. It's the opium of the people. But I think we're all more like Thomas. Thomas wasn't just looking to be pacified. He was saying, I need proof. I need to see if you're telling me, Jesus, this man I just spent the last three years with, I saw him die on a cross. I saw his skin ripped from his body, I saw nails in his hands, I saw nails in his feet, I saw him die on the cross. You're telling me you saw him? I need proof. I need to see. I need to know that it's real. It's not just a feeling. The Mormons have feeling. If you ask a Mormon why they believe what they believe, they're going to say, there's a feeling in my heart. I just know it's true. That is not what we believe. 
Certainly there's feelings. Certainly there's emotion. But we believe because we have evidence. The gospel is news. We proclaim it. It happened in real time, in real space, in real cities, with real rulers, real people. Thomas says, I I need to know. I, I need to know that this is real. If you're telling me he was raised from the dead, I need to know. John 20, 26 to 27. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Don't disbelieve, but believe. So here we see the tenderness of Christ. First of all, we we see that he hears us even when he's not physically present. He wasn't around when Thomas said, I need to see the hands and feet of Christ. But Christ hears and Christ cares. And you may be in here thinking, well, I want to see Jesus. And I would say, just ask, pray. If you ask, I want to see more of you, he is going to show you. He's going to show you through through his word, through his people. He will answer that prayer. Charles Haddon Spurgeon says of, of this moment, he says, oh, see how Jesus condescends to the weaknesses and even the follies of his people. If we are unbelieving, it is not his fault, for he goes out of his way to teach us faith. And sometimes he even gives what we have no right to ask, what we have no reason to expect, what it was even sin in us to have desired. We are so weak, so ignorant, so prone to unbelief that he will do anything to create, sustain, and strengthen our faith in him. This is the Christ that we love. A Christ that cares about your faith, my faith, all of our our doubts we can bring to him just like Thomas. Do you ask Christ to see more of him? Have you asked him to increase your faith? He longs to sustain our faith. In fact, in the scriptures he says, ask, I'll give it to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. He's talking about faith. Ask, seek, knock. Thomas answers after Jesus does this, my Lord and my God. So just think for a moment how incredibly crazy this is. You've got a first century Jew. They won't even say the name Yahweh. They won't even say it. They didn't even write it. They were the monotheists of the day. And he 
Here's Jesus, and he says, my Lord and my God, and Jesus does nothing to dissuade his worship of him. Jesus accepts Thomas's worship. Can you say with Thomas, to Christ, my Lord and my God? Can you do that? Not because your parents do it, not because you're in church, but can you come to Christ and say, my Lord, my God? Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's all of us. Blessed. So Jesus calls us blessed. We're blessed. We haven't seen him. And you might have been thinking as I'm talking about Thomas, like, why can't I see him? Why can't I see him? Well, first of all, Thomas, he was one of the 12. He went off and carried the gospel. He carried the gospel to India. He was martyred for the gospel in 72 AD. He was an apostle. All the apostles saw the risen Christ. Blessed are you. Blessed am I. We believe in the resurrection and we haven't seen. And Paul says, Peter says that angels long to look into these things, things of salvation. They long to look into these things. These things are, are, are big and heavy to, to the angels. And I would ask you, do you marvel at them? Do you long like a child that wants to hear a story again and again? Tell me, Mom, tell me that story. Tell me, Daddy, tell me that story again. I want to hear that story again. Do you long to hear the stories of Scripture and to hear about Jesus, your Lord and your Savior? Does that do anything to you? Does it stir your heart? Do you marvel at what has been done for you? Or do you maybe think, I know this. I've heard it before. Yawn. Tell me something new. I would go so far as to say that it's a test of, of, of true faith. Do you want to hear from God? Do you want to hear what he has done for you? Do you want to hear what he's going to do? Theologians call it the, the already and the not yet. The resurrection happened. Eternal life is here. We can grab it already. It is here. We can sing like we just sang, and we're going to sing in a bit, and praise and exalt God, and we can walk around in this fallen, dark world with absolute joy because we know what's coming. If we, don't, if we stop at what we have now, we've stopped at the taste the not yet, what's coming is the feast. And that's coming and that should stir us. Paul says it like this. For while we are still in this tent, in these bodies, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us the Spirit is a guarantee. So the Holy Spirit 
if you believe, resides, dwells in you, that's a, a guarantee. In other places, Paul calls it a deposit. It's a taste of what's to come. We groan now. Families are broken. Marriages end. Relationships are fractured. Work is toil. For most of us, we're just scraping by, right, from month to month. And it's not easy just scraping by. Death is always lurking in the shadows, and our bodies ache. And if you're anything like me, you have some mornings where you wake up and all of a sudden your thoughts are just going, I got to do this, I got to do this. What about this? What about this situation? And it's stress from the moment you wake up. That's what Paul's talking about. While we're still in these bodies, we groan, we're burdened. If we stop at Jesus being resurrected, we miss the point. His resurrection is pointing to ours. We have something coming that we can't even imagine. Lloyd-Jones says this about life in, in this tent. Life involves difficulties and problematic situations, and we have a feeling we were not meant for this. We don't like it. We want to be delivered from it. This is ultimately the, ultimately the cause of all the quests in the lives of men and women. This is what is stirring in our heart when we say, I need to get out of this situation. I need to get into this situation. These people are annoying me. I need a new this. I need a new that. We have something in us that knows intuitively that we want to be forever with God in the new heavens, in the new earth, in our resurrected bodies, out of these groaned, burdened tents that we're living in. And I think so many times we're not even aware of how burdened we actually are. There was a story going around, you may, may have seen it, although there's so many stories going around these days on, on social media, you may not have seen it, but um, it was a story of a, of a boy recently who lost his dog. Two or three months, he, he lost his, his pet dog. They found it, and they kind of orchestrated, like, hey, we're going we're gonna to give the, the kid his dog back, and we're going to film it. And uh, I, don't, I don't know who filmed it, but, but it was filmed. And he's in the kitchen, and the dog comes in, and he's, like, shocked. He's, he, he's looking, at, you know, looking at the dog, playing with the dog. The dog's going nuts. It's adorable. The dog's jumping on him. Like, can you imagine they've been separated for, for three months? In the middle of it, the kid starts bawling, just crying, out of joy. You guys know this, right? Joy. In the middle of the scene, everything's released. All is hurt, all the worry, all the grieving, all of it. He weeps out of joy. J.R. Tolkien, who, who wrote the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, he coined a word, he called it eucatastrophe. I don't know if anyone's heard this word, but it, he's, he's basically playing on the word catastrophe, but he's putting a Greek word before it, which is good. So he's saying good catastrophe. And he says, 
It's a sudden, happy turn in a story which pierces you with joy that brings tears. This is what's coming at the resurrection. I believe when Jesus says in Revelation 21, when he says, I'll wipe away every tear from your eyes, this is in the context of the new heavens and the new earth. I believe he's referring to this. That the sight of the new heavens and the new earth and the reality of what is actually coming for for God's people will be so significant that all the burdens and all that stuff that you've been carrying that you don't even really know you're carrying will be released. Every tear will be wiped away. At the end of C.S. Lewis's book, The Last Battle, there's this scene and and Lewis is just kind of talking about how um, it, it's kind of uh, his way of saying, hey, we're, we're taking the new heavens and the new earth. It's at the end of the Narnia series, and um, I think it's the unicorn that says, I've come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. I hope Today, when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that empty tomb, that you can take that and connect it for what that means for you. There's so much hope in this. So much hope in this. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, in a moment, In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? This is the reversal of the world as we know it. This is the seed of the serpent being crushed by the seed of the woman. This is so much bigger than what the Jews wanted. They just wanted to be delivered from from Roman oppression. And we're talking about everlasting life, bodies being changed. This is the true longing of your heart. Ever since you were a child and you realized that death was, was real and you wrestled with that, This is the true fulfillment of the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
This is the fulfillment of all the promises to Abraham and all the promises to David that you will have a land and you will have a people. This is the fulfillment of the, the king that will sit on the throne of David forever. The heart, our hearts desperately want all of this. The truth of the resurrection and Christ rising from the dead is the first fruits and that just says it's real it's coming just wait it's coming maybe you don't believe this you're in here and you're a skeptic and I would just say to you at least why wouldn't you want it to be true and want it to be true enough to go dig and look through the history books and look through the Bible and see, is this real? Is this actually real? Because can I trust the Bible? Can I trust what I'm reading? Does anything else in history say anything? Because there are sources about Jesus' resurrection. If that's you, if you're a skeptic, I would just push you, why not? And if you're in here and you say, yeah, I, I believe it, I would just ask, does it move you? Do you find hope in the resurrection of Jesus to the point where it stirs you and it can move you beyond all the darkness that you encounter in this world? Does it stir you? And maybe it doesn't, and maybe that means you're living way too much for this world. And you're putting your hope way too much in the things of this world. For some of you, God is going to allow you to be hurt to see these truths. You're going you're to lose some things. And it's not because he's against you, it's because he loves you. Where are you putting your hope? If you don't have a communion cup, there are some extra out there if you didn't get one. We're going to do communion, and, and most often when we do communion, we're, we're looking back, and we're looking back at what Christ has done, and, and we're going to do that today. But there's another aspect to, to communion that, that I want to celebrate today, and that aspect is a forward-looking In Matthew uh, 26, Jesus is instituting the Lord's Supper, and he sa it, it says this. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my, my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many, for many, for the forgiveness of sins. But then he says this. I tell you, I will not drink of it again, of this fruit of the vine, until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. The new heavens and the new earth. Your resurrection, my resurrection, the, the consummation of all of our faith is going to be inaugurated with a marriage supper, a meal, a feast. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. 
And it's the idea that we're the bride of Christ and Jesus is the groom and there's going to be a party. Can you imagine this? I don't know if you've ever taken a really good vacation and you've kind of got to your spot and you're like, I got seven more days of this. I'm in this spot, the water's there or whatever's going on, I got seven more days of this. And it's, it's a great feeling and then the time starts ticking down and you're like, oh, I got one more day of this and I gotta go back to, to life. Marriage Supper of the Lamb, we're gonna be feasting together in eternity, with eternity before us Death has been swallowed up. God is with us. Food, laughter, celebration. And when we take the Lord's Supper today, it's just a taste. It's just a taste. Just like the Spirit is a deposit, this is a taste. This is a taste of what's to come. This is symbolic. There's going to be a feast. This is a taste. Let's eat. Jesus says he's going to drink the fruit of the vine again with us in the kingdom to come. Let's drink. Heavenly Father, we, as a body of believers, Vintage Faith Church, we... Thank you for the hope that you've given us in your word. We thank you that even though we can't fully imagine what is to come, that you've given us a little taste of what we see coming. And it's beyond anything that any of us can imagine. Lord, today as we celebrate with our families and in our lives, help us to be stirred by that hope, that true hope of the resurrection. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Vintage Faith Podcast. At Vintage Faith, our vision is to help people who are far from God to become totally devoted followers of Jesus. We pray that this podcast brought you closer to God. For more information, check us out at VintageFaithCicero.com.